Acts chapter 1. And let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love extended toward us. And Lord, we just reach out with our faith tonight, expecting good things from above. For you are the Father of lights, in whom there's no change. Lord, we receive from you tonight. We, we believe we receive the uh, appropriate and right message and word for this time, for this hour. Thank you for open ears and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Acts chapter 1, very well-known verse of Scripture to folks like us, okay? Not all Christians meditate on this verse, but uh, we do, right? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts 1, 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. All right. I want to I focus in on and, and major on this part of that verse tonight. The scripture says, and you shall be. And you shall be. It is important for us at times to talk about what we should do and what God has done in us and what he has commanded us, instructed us, prompted us to do. There should always be a doing happening in the life of the believer but I think what ha what is is the best case scenario is that before we do we be God has worked something in our hearts and in our lives so that we will be a certain way and then out of that being we are to act all right aren't we called a human being <laughs> not just a human doing what are you I'm a human doing. <laughs> and we put all the emphasis on what we do when we first must be well established in who we are. Okay? And in this scripture, of course, the Spirit of God is to come on all New Testament believers. It's designed for all people who believe in the Lord that he would come upon them to make them be something. In this case, he's talking about being a witness. All right? Not just simply about witnessing or going through the acts of a wit of witnessing, of declaring what you've seen and, and what you know and what you've heard. And there's certainly truth to that, okay? And not taking anything away from, go you into all the world and preach the gospel. All right? Very important that we do that. But it's even more important, I think, uh, maybe not more important, but a first step. A foundation to that is knowing who we are. Many people are trying to do something without being something and our actions must be consistent with who we are all right now of course the foundation from that is is that uh, we need to know who we are if a person is endeavoring to act a certain way but they don't see themselves as that thing then they're basically an actor <laughs> An actor in the, in the sense of, I'm not this, but I'm putting this act on, this facade on, and I'm pretending to be this way. You can't pretend to be a certain way for very long, okay? You can do it for a little while, and you can get 
some of the people to believe you some of the time, but you can't get everyone to believe you all the time, right? Because it, it will basically wear down. You can only act a way that you're not for a short period of time. Eventually what happens is who you are and who you know that you are will start coming out, okay? When that happens, sometimes it only takes time. Oftentimes it just takes a little bit of pressure, all right? When the squeeze is on, what's on the inside whoop, comes right out of you like a, like a sponge. Squeeze it and you'll find out what kind of liquid it has soaked up. And, and, and likewise, we must know who we are before we can ever act in, in a consistent matter, manner with that. And I don't want to be the kind of person who's always just trying to act a certain way. And I'm because listen, that can be difficult. If I believe I'm one thing and I'm trying to act another way, that's frustrating. Okay, that's why. It, just a little side note: I hit this in a lot of messages. It, it, it's so wrong to call the modern day uh, believer, okay, a child of God, a Christian, to refer to them as an old sinner. All right, that's the way many Christians are taught that you are still and you remain a sinner, you're unworthy, you're unholy, and and if you're taught that and believe that about yourself, but then that message is followed up with live right. You got to live righteous. You've got to live holy. You've got to live for God. How in the world do you do that? You're telling someone you're not, but you've got to act that way. And you can't do that for very long. All right, that's the way they were in the old covenant, but it was for a purpose. They were given laws, and God knew ahead of time, you're not going to make it. You're not going to do it right, but do it. But that was part of the purpose, is to show them that they needed a Savior, that they couldn't in themselves live to God's standards, okay? But now in the new covenant, we are created in God's standard. We're created in righteousness and true holiness, and so that's who we are. And that whole message is really not what I want to get into tonight, but that's simply, it's called in Christ. You could say it that way, in Him. Whenever you find scriptures in the New Testament that say, in Him, or through Him, or by Him, or in Christ. You understand that, uh, that 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 is what we are through the work of God, not by our own works, or our own righteousness, or our own hard, uh, you know, hard works. Uh, but but it's a result of the grace of God producing that in us. Once we know that, then we can be that. Okay. In fact, being it is the same. We we know that we are that. Then we can live that. All right, but aside from that, it becomes very, very difficult. So that's a very, uh, very much of a priority. It should be for all believers to know and be well grounded and established in who God says they are. Okay, and uh, praise the Lord. It is right to exhort and get out there and do something like testifying of what the Lord has done. But but being a testimony, your very life is a testimony that comes first. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Praise the Lord. You see, it's real important that we experience something in order to ever share something that will help someone else. In other words, there's too much theory in, I don't know, I think sometimes we're taught a lot of theoretical things. Not that they're incorrect, not that they're all false, but there's not a living force behind them. I know there have been uh, 
you know, there's some valid concerns with some ministry training schools, Bible schools, uh, and it's not, I'm not calling any names or, or anything like that, but in some situations, you ha- what you have is a lot of people instructing who have never actually done the work, you know. For example, you have, you, you have someone teaching others how to pastor, but they haven't. Or they did for a very short period of time and had, you know, very small amount of people. And, they, you know, they can teach principles. And it's not that they're incorrect. It just doesn't carry the same weight as if that person actually did it and God used them in that. And, and it was successful and thriving and growing. See, it's a whole different scenario. I can, you know, I can tell you there are some people to teach that can teach certain subjects in the Bible better than I can from this standpoint. Not that I don't have understanding of them, but because they've been used in that area more. God has used them further in certain areas. And I think, you know, as long as they have an anointing to explain it and teach it or preach it, uh, I want to hear from them, you know, because they come from a position of, uh, of strength. And I want to know who I am. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. Uh, Paul wrote here, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Okay. He said, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. And what we have here is uh, people had begun to question Paul. And he's having, which he shouldn't have to because he's like a father to these people, a spiritual father. Uh, He's having to uh, basically explain to them and make himself sound credible and give proof for himself and he's asking do we need to do this do we need to send around some letters so you really know what we're about and that we're the real thing and 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 people are questioning the validity of, of of my ministry do we really need that for you is that necessary for me to send that to you and of course you know they're like his kids. He, he, he brought them into the kingdom of God. And that's almost like an insult <laughs> for, for he, that he even has to say that to them. He says, uh, in, again, in verse 2, you are our epistle. In other words, a letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Who is the letter? He said, he said you are. The very fact that what I have done and what the Lord had done through him, he said, it's you. I don't need a letter. You're the letter. I don't need someone to recommend what, who we are and what we've done. You are that recommendation. And, and see, this is the point we need to get across. Before we uh, can do something, we must be something. If there is really, truly a work of God, an ongoing work of God in all of our hearts, there's an automatic representation before all who see us of what, of what is happening, okay? And ultimately, it's the work of God. He went on to say in verse 3, clearly, you are an epistle, okay? An epistle, again, you know what that is, right? That's the wives of the apostles. Uh, no. <laughs> you are an epistle, a letter, okay? A letter of Christ. You are a letter. So I would like to get a letter from God. You're surrounded by him. We are a letter from God, he said, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And so, 
And so the best credentials that Paul could provide are the changed lives of those whom he had ministered to. Okay? And, and again, here's the point I'm trying to get at is before we do, we be. We need, before I can tell you, well, God will change your life. God is powerful and he's amazing and woo. And how about what has he done in you? You know, we've got to see evidence of, some, of the work of God in a person's life so that it carries some weight, all right? And it's not all about the letter, writing a letter, or about even someone verbalizing that God can do and He will do for you. Well, what has He done in us is a, is a very important first question. Your life is a letter from God to the world. Now, this is interesting. He talks about, look over at Hebrews chapter 10, what he talks about God writing this letter in their hearts, there, uh, in Hebrews, we get a prophecy. Of course, it was from the Old Covenant. Hebrews 10, this is the way God intended to do His work in us. And verse 16, 10, 16, He said, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. And so God's way of getting through to us, again, is not just, uh, I want you to do this list of things. I want you to avoid this list of things. We live in a better covenant. We live, live in something far better than, than living by a list of, of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations. God has written something on our hearts on the inside of us so we can live this out naturally a natural inward motivation not just a religious set of rules and obviously we know this that's the problem with with many in our world they're trying to please a God that they don't know by simply uh, aligning their lives by a certain code and it's easy for us to identify man that's works that's the flesh that's not how God works in us these days that's not what he wants from you but here, here's what happens is sometimes in the lives of true believers we're saved but we're still not mindful of who we are we're, when I, what do you mean not mindful the soul the soul you know this. Just take this aside. Thought uh, the word the word soul in the Bible can mean different things. Okay, in one, used in one sense, the soul can refer to a life or an entire being. Remember, Adam was made a living soul. Okay, and uh, what does that mean? He wasn't made an emotion, or he wasn't just turned into a mind. No, it was talking about his entire being. But now specifically, when we talk about the soul, uh, you can read it in James and different places, it refers to the mind or the, the will, the emotions, that type, that part of our being, not the spirit, not the body, but the mental capacity that we have. And, uh, and sometimes we'll say um, that Jesus saved my soul. Like the, there's a song. He saved my soul. Well, what does that mean? That doesn't, that doesn't mean he saved my emotions and saved my mind. That is using the word in a more general, broad sense. He saved me. He saved my life, my being. Okay. Specifically, who saved or what saves our soul? 
Some said, Jesus saved my soul. Actually, it's what Jesus said that saves our soul. And you can all tie that back to the Lord. But what saves your soul is the very words of God. If someone never hears what God says, their soul is not saved. Doesn't mean their soul's going to hell now if you don't want to know where I'm coming from. <laughs> your, your mind and your will and your emotion, that follows your spirit. So if Jesus is the Savior of your life, your spirit's born again, but your soul is only saved by what God says. And if you understand where I'm coming from here. Your mind is only saved, your soul is only saved by what God says. If you don't know what God says, that, that's the more lost your soul is. Now, the more unrenewed, the more it still thinks like the old guy, the guy that's in the coffin, the part of you that died when you received Jesus. Okay, And so again, if I don't know what God has said, if I don't know his words, my soul is having some issues. And I can't be something in a practical reality, in a practical lifestyle, unless I know what he has made me to be. Okay, this gets into the uh, big realm of the uh, talking about the mind. We know our spirit saved in an instant in Christ. Until I know about it, I cannot live as a Christian. I can't. I'll live like a sinner. I'll live like I was. I'll live the same as I did before I accepted the Lord until my mind gets filled with the knowledge of His will. That's why it's critical, critical that, we, we, that we get in, uh, in, in church and get in the Word and continually fellowship with the Lord. I know, I know sometimes, well, I mean, it happens here. Be honest with you. Not pointing any fingers at anybody. Just smile and look ahead. But people don't have the right concept when it comes to certain truths of God's Word. And it's the person, here, here's the wrong con- mindset, all right? A person gets saved, okay, they receive the Lord, they're told, you have eternal life, you are heaven-bound, everything's good. So they no longer feel the need to, to go any further because I'm already saved. And they're right but they're wrong about not having a need to get more. All right? But see, sometimes people come to the Lord and it's like, okay, good, I got that. That's taken care of. And then go on living their life. Little do they know that they can't live a saved life. They can't live a, a, a Christian life. They can't live in such a way that it, it agrees with their spirit until they receive words from God. That will get into their soul. Get into their thinking. Alright. And here's where it happens in other areas. Uh, Sometimes people get healed of something. Supernaturally. Power of God. Whammo. Straightens up their life. Gets eradicates disease and sickness from their body. And they feel like, okay, I'm good now. And so they no longer feel the need to pursue words from God on that subject. And how many know that is a big, big deception? Because listen, you cannot live by God's healing virtue and power, and that's who we are in Christ, by the way. Every one of us are healed by stripes in Christ. But you can't live that apart from words from God on that subject. It's not possible. 
It's one thing who we are. It's another thing to know about it. And knowing about it is really not just a, a, a one time, okay, I know that now. Okay, because we leak. <laughs> and what we know now, we won't necessarily know a year from now if we don't keep, 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 keep feeding ourselves in that area, keep built up and keep strong. All right, it'll become a distant memory. Amen. And so, and so that's why some of these things are so, are so important. And the person is deceived, still love the deceived person. They're still saved. But it's a deception when a person removes themselves from a constant renewing and hearing of words from God. Come on, take care of your soul. Don't neglect it. Well, I'm a spirit being and I'm my spirit saved. You're right. And that's never going to change. Okay? There's no worries. Your spirit's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. But you're not going to be able to live the life that God intends for you. And it, tell you the truth, that life is what we want. It, it's the life that your heart desires, man. It's the life. It's the life that is fulfilling. It is satisfying. And ultimately, what is it? It's a letter to the world. We want that, but we cannot live it without knowledge, words from God that impact our soul. Okay. Now look at Matthew chapter seven. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 7. So we know that God anointed us to be a witness. We know that our very lives are letters from God. We are giving credibility in the, in the minds of the world to what we say is true. We say, Jesus died for you. He will change you, forgive you. He'll set you on high and do something great in your life. But if they don't see it in us, if it's not a living reality in our lives, uh, it doesn't carry a whole lot of weight. Okay. I, just before, I, while I'm there, here's the extreme. The extreme is I have to have everything perfect in me before God could ever use me. That's not true either. Okay, no one could ever be used of God if they, if they were flawless. It's not about uh, that I, I never make mistakes or do everything right. It's about knowing who I am in Him. Okay, acknowledging His Spirit in me. All right, and that's, that's who, who I say that I am. If I make a mistake, it, it, you know, if I were to, uh, whatever, tell a lie, which I'm just hypothetical because I don't believe in telling lies. Uh, if I were to tell a lie... You know, maybe you've had struggles with that in your life. Exaggerating the truth. Blatant lying. Being, you know, telling someone you'll be somewhere when you don't show up. That's lying, right? If, if you had trouble with that, don't call yourself a liar. You acknowledge sin and get forgiven, but you still call yourself, you refer to yourself as a Christian. That's not a liar. As the righteousness of God, call yourself what you are in Him, and that is truthful. That's honest. That, that's who you are in Him. That's how you identify yourself, not with a particular behavior or a mistake that you have made. In, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 17, Jesus here said, Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A tree cannot bear a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Okay? And uh, 
again, what we're dealing with here is, you know, a good person is not known by whether or not he ever makes a mistake. A good person is not known by uh, whether he has perfect doctrine, perfect beliefs, whether he's right about everything. You know, you can be wrong about some things, still be a good tree. You can make some mistakes and still be a good tree. How do we know what kind of person someone is? According to Jesus, you know them, of course, by their fruits. Okay, what's what's following us? If we were to look in our wake, you look back. What's in the wake of your life? That's how you can find out what someone is really made of. That's how you can tell who someone really is. You look behind them, and is there a wake of people who are hurting? A wake of people who are, who are all messed up, and they've got all kinds of troubles and problems. Have we made lives worse, or have we made lives better? Okay, and we can tell what we're doing by looking at them. Now, you can't look at one or just one or two here and there and, and, and make any kind of judgment. But when you look at those, at, at those we've been in contact with, okay? I mean, you, if you want to analyze your own life, I'm not going to analyze your life, but you can do it yourself. Uh, you know, you look at your people in your family that have been around you a long time. How have you impacted them? People who you've worked with, friends in the past, different relationships, okay? What, what's the results? Are people doing better as a result of your influence in their life, or are people torn apart? Because I can, you know, uh, I can think of those, of course, they're outstanding situations of, of some on the negative side. And I can think, of, I know, of course, know some on the positive, but to where it seems like you always run into someone who knew a particular person and were kind of friends with them or worked with them for a while, and man, the reports of how they deceived them and how they uh, misled them and took advantage of them and and yet they have this they got the bumper stickers on the car you know what i'm talking about they have they had they know the lingo they can they can talk the talk they can speak all you know christianese yet when you look behind them and you see how they're deceptive and they hurt people and they take advantage of people i think i don't know if you're saved man I don't know. I mean, maybe you are, and you just have a really messed up soul. That's possible. But something's going on here where uh, Jesus said, by, by your fruit, you're going to know you. And i got to tell you, I know you because <laughs> the fruit's not good. And this is what we ought to be uh, looking at as far as, you know, how, how can we tell if someone's really good, if someone's really doing the right thing? If you're looking at ministries, should I listen to this particular minister? Uh, you know, should I... Uh, feed myself on their book or their teaching or something well if you have any kind of ability to see what's happening behind them that would be a good indication all right are people helped are people changed are they lifted up are they drawn closer to the lord or is there just a whole lot of torn apart lives a whole lot of people who are disillusioned and and uh, just uh, ha have a lot of trouble and, and that would be a good indication like mm, you know what i think i don't have to be judgmental of them i don't have to be talking down on uh, adam but i know you know I'm just going to go with the Lord's advice here. I'm not going to listen to that person. I'm not going to. He said, well, but what they're saying, it sounds pretty good. It's not about what they say. It's about who they are. Okay. Are you listening now? Who they are is going to come through. The kind of spirits that they fellowship with will influence you if 
you get if you pay, give too much of your time and attention to what that person is saying and doing. Amen. All right, let me show you a few more scriptures. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, 412, Paul writing to Timothy said here, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. What should he be? An example to the believers in word and conduct, in, in love and in spirit and faith and purity. Okay? And, and so Paul instructed Timothy to what? To talk the talk. Make sure you Say it right. Now, that was important, but that's not his advice here. He said, I want you to be. I want you to be an example. And more, more emphasis needs to be in our life on who we are as opposed to what we know and what we say and what we do. Who are we? We need to be an example. If I say pray, 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 and I don't ever pray, there's something wrong with that. And here's ultimately what I think will happen. And I'm, I'm talking to, I, I guess I, I'm talking to people here tonight. I believe you want to have a positive effect and influence on other people. You want to be used of God. You're not just full of yourself, living for your own needs and desires, but it goes beyond that. And you want to minister and help other people in whatever capacity that is for your call and your ministry, whatever that is, okay? But you, you, you want to be something. But if I continually tell people, pray, 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 and I teach on pray, 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 and, and I don't ever pray... I really believe the end result is going to be people are not going to pray. I really think that that's how it works. If I, if I continually say to do one thing, uh, though the words are true, if I'm not living it, it's not going to have the force. And I really believe this goes beyond, and even though this is important, it goes beyond what people see me do. It goes beyond what people see you do. I think there's a spiritual aspect to this where people can't put their finger on it. They don't exactly know, but they don't, you know, I could tell you I've, you know, I pray all, I pray five hours a day, and, and but if I'm lying and you don't even really know that I'm lying, it, it, my prayer message is not going to be effective. Okay, there's a spiritual component here uh, that that backs up and gets and causes leadership to work when someone lives it, when someone does it, all right? Now, uh, Paul told Timothy, be an example. 1 John 2, 1 John 2 and verse 6, 1 John 2, 6, John wrote here, he who says he abides in him ought also himself to walk just as he walked. We say we abide in him, then we walk as he walked, okay? How many know you cannot lead someone to where you're not? Best you can do is tell them about it, but that's not leading them. And ultimately, that's not God's desire that we just be signposts and point people where to go. Actually, we're supposed to go there and say, come on, come on this way. Okay, that's why a message of healing carries more force in a person that's healed. Doesn't mean, you know, I mean, I know a guy uh, uh, years ago, broke his arm. He was a minister, had a tractor truck, and uh, 
he fell off and broke his arm, and, uh, and he was doing a meeting out in Tulsa, and uh, I went to see him, and he had, this was in the, in the meantime, and his arm was all bandaged up, and he was preaching. I mean, I'm not saying he should not. He was preaching. Power of God was flowing through him. People were getting healed. <laughs> And it was great, and he was, his, he was actually healing that whole time. So I'm not saying that someone who doesn't have it all together can't be used of God in that area. I just think when someone is living something, and it's a reality in them, it carries more force. When someone can say, pray, 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 and I pray, and God did this. And God answered this prayer, and he manifested this in my heart. It just carries more weight. Again, I can't lead someone to where I'm not. Amen. That's why, can I tell you this? As far as following, spiritual leaders, or really leaders in any, any different realm you could think about, uh, don't follow people that are stagnant. If someone is not growing, if someone is not moving forward in their own life, don't pay attention to, I just wouldn't make them the, the main source of anything. Because you're going to get to a point where you stop. Because you can't, you're not going to be able to go any further than they're going. And so you want to follow someone who's moving. You want to listen to people who are listening to people. Listen to someone who hears, who's growing, who's hearing from God and moving forward and, and, and having things happen in their life. Because then uh, it allows you to not have a ceiling to where you top out and, well, I got everything I can get. I, I want to go further, but those who I'm listening to are not going any further. Okay, that's a problem. But always in your own life, be going further, be moving and doing more. In, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17, Philippians 3, 17, uh, the apostle Paul said, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. King James Version said, Brethren, be followers together of me. Be followers together of me. And that's interesting that we are told, inspired by the Lord... Paul said, you guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow me. Now, a lot of people would have trouble with that terminology. They say, oh, no, no, we follow the Lord. We follow Christ. I'm not going to follow you, Paul. I mean, who are you? I mean, we know. We know you had that spat with Barnabas. <laughs> you know, I I saw how you treated Peter in front of all those people, and I, I don't know. We're going to follow you. <laughs> well, that was he was inspired by God to say that. So I said, I'm, no, I'm not going to follow any man. I'm not going to follow any person. I, I'm just going to follow the Lord. No, you're not. Okay, here's where we have to understand. We follow the Lord. Yes, it is independent of man, but also it's connected to man. Okay, we don't, you don't need a person to get to God through, but we're instructed to follow Paul. And just like it was true in those days, we are to follow people in our day as well. All right? We, what do we follow? We follow their example. We follow what the, what, how, how they're serving the Lord. You don't want to follow so close that you copy every mistake. Right? Because that can happen because there's no perfect leader does not ever making a mistake or doing everything, uh, do, that, doing everything right. But if someone were to follow you, would they get closer to God? Would they grow? Would they move forward in life? If you were to invite someone to follow you and, and just mimic your every move, you know, follow your prayer life, 
Follow your life in the Word. Follow your life as being an example and a witness and a testimony for the Lord Jesus to the world. Follow your example in serving. Follow your example in worship and giving and, and you know, just a number of different things. You just, and you would just tell them, you know, maybe, it, maybe it's a new believer and they've just gotten saved and you told them, just do everything I do. Exactly like I did. Just do it just like I do. Could you tell someone that? Now, we understand, we understand that, and you wouldn't put a false front to say, I'm perfect in every way, but it, even with your, uh, with your, you know, trip-ups here and there, could you tell them to follow you? Like Paul told them to follow him, would they grow? Would they be doing well? Would they be moving forward in Christ? And I, some of you might feel a little bit like, mm, I don't know. I got to tell you, for, from, what, from my vantage point, for the most part, a lot of you would, you know, it would be it would be just great. Doesn't mean that you know everything or do everything right, but you're heading that direction. You're, I mean, you're moving forward and doing good things for the Lord, living a life that's right before God, and I think most people would do, do well, okay? But that is a, a good self-analyzing question. Would someone get closer? Let's look at one more scripture tonight, and that's 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. What we want to, uh, what we're again focusing on, let me bring you back to the top, is, is, is that we are anointed to be, okay, not just to do, and the doing comes out of that, but knowing who we are and being someone, being in Christ, being anointed by the Spirit, being a witness is key to having other people follow us, listen to what we say, and it being effective and powerful, okay, it producing good fruit. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, that's where we were earlier. Of course, we're, we're reading down towards the, the bottom. The whole chapter is really outstanding. Um, but he, he says in verse 18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Okay? Now, come back here. We know that when we receive the Lord, we are established in Christ. Okay? We are perfected in Him. In reality, uh, the Colossians says that we are complete in Him. And so, the Lord completes you, makes you brand new, cleans, up, cleans you up, makes everything right in your spirit, right? And that's who, who we really are. But and, until I get my mind to catch up to what happened in my spirit in an instance, I won't be able to live this out and therefore won't be able to be a very good witness to others who, who observe. And that's the desire. I want others to observe and see Jesus. I want others to observe and see, wow, that life is attractive. I want to live for God too. I want the Lord to be in my life. They've got to have something to observe to ha to, for, for that to happen. And so how do we get there? Well, this verse says we have to have an unveiled face. This is in reference to Moses having the veil over his face when he came down from the, from the mountain and he was glowing with the glory of God. And they went, ah, Dude, put something on your face. 
They couldn't handle looking at that glory. And uh, of course, that chapter teaches us that what we have is far more glorious. And said, even that, that's not even any glory at all compared, compared to what we have in Christ. He said, uh, uh, but we, we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. In other words, a mirror, in other words, we're looking in a mirror, and what are we seeing? Jesus. You look in a mirror and see the glory of God. Because the veil has been removed in Christ, we are now able to look into the very glory of God. But it's like a mirror. It's not that I'm just seeing Jesus and saying, Woo, look at Jesus. Wow, wow, look at Jesus. And we are, you know, of course, giving him all the glory and praise. But when I look in this mirror, I'm looking back at myself and seeing Jesus in me. Seeing the glory of God in me. That is what God uses to transform us. And so what I have been created in Christ, the more I look at that mirror... And see me, but really see him in me and his glory on me, the more that's going to show up in my, in my life. It's going to be an outward thing. It's going to be something that I can be, something that I can then live, something that others will see in me. If I don't see it in me, you're not going to see it in me. If I don't see the glory of God in my life and see what the Lord has created me to be, I'm deceived if I think the world is going to look and say wow look at the glory of God on that person because if I'm more aware of me everyone else is going to be aware of me and it's not the goal or the desire of any Christian to be seen as who they are in the flesh but we want to be seen as who we are in Christ what the Lord has done in us listen the more you see the more you can be the more you look in that mirror, the more the glory of God is going to be a reality and a manifest presence in your life. Praise God. And so he gave us light so we can see. He gave us light so we can be just like the Lord. Amen. As we see the glory of the Lord that's within us, through our union with Christ, the outer man will begin to reflect that glory for all to see praise God and so uh, how do we live as an example how do we how do we live to be a witness this is increasing in measure it'll get stronger and stronger and stronger the more we hear words from God the more we're able to look in the mirror and see the glory of God in us again here's here's the here's the mindset that I think we need to avoid is we put all the attention and this almost sounds, you know, questionable, but stay with me. You understand where I'm going? We put all the attention on the Lord and say, He is glorious. He is great. He is everything. And you would think, well, that sounds perfectly right. I want to do that. <laughs> but here's what we're missing, though. We're skipping seeing what the Lord did in us. It's not He's everything and I'm nothing. That makes him the Lord of nothing. Right? See, yes, he is everything. Yes, he is glorious. Yes, he's, well, he is wonderful. And I look in a mirror and I see him in me. And the glory is in my life. And this is where our brains have to catch up to our spirit. 
And it's not just a switch we turn. Whoop, okay, now I'm walking in the glory. Now all the world can see me and they see the glory of God. No, it's a process, man. It's a, it's a, we're, as the scripture says here, we're transformed or changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. The more I keep looking, the more I'm going to change. The more I'm going to be transformed. The more I see, the more I be. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's all stand up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise tonight. Thank you for a good word from heaven, a good word from above. Lord, we delight to do your will. And Lord, help us, I pray. May the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. And as we look into your word, and as we look into this mirror of your word, help us to see all that you've created us to be. Help our minds to catch up to our spirits and the glory of God. May it be in an ever-increasing fashion revealed in our lives, through our lives, so that the world may see, the world may know, the world may uh, observe us and see the very glory of God be drawn to us and, of course, ultimately to, uh, to be drawn to Jesus himself where they can receive and partake of that glory. But I pray, Father, that each and every one of us would be able to know to the extent and see you to the extent where, you, what, where that glory and what you've done becomes a reality in our daily lives from day to day. We not only witness, but we are a witness. Lord, we not only preach, but we are saved. We are a reality of the work of God in the earth today. Praise God. And though some may not see you, they will see us. And they will see the work of God in us. And so, Lord, we treasure this. We value this. Oh, we, are, we highly esteem your work. We'll not call it common or make it unholy. But, Lord, we say we acknowledge this is the work of God.